Good morning, Hope. So glad you're here today. I'd love uh, for you to have in front of you Mark chapter 7. We're going to look at a few verses really embedded right in the middle of this chapter uh, in Mark's gospel. We've been going uh, for a number of months now, verse by verse, uh, through uh, what is known as the gospel of Mark, really the narrative, the story uh, of the life of Jesus, trying to learn all we can uh, from Jesus and how he lived his life and, and trying to do uh, what he did uh, in our context. So we're going to look at some verses and think about hope, finding hope uh, today. I want to read the verses we're going to be focusing on and learning from, and then we'll take time to go through them uh, together. So I hope you have uh, Mark chapter 7 um, in front of you in some way. If you don't, it's okay. We will uh, project the verses, uh, the verses we're going to be looking at today. Starting in verse 24. It says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre and also Sidon. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence a secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit or unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus' response, he said, First, let the children eat all they want. He told her, For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, For such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home. And found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Now that, or sadly, that summer is in our rearview mirror as we pass the unofficial end of summer with Labor Day weekend, I think it's appropriate that you know we have 107 shopping days left before Christmas. I say this for those who are notorious last-minute shoppers. Jim, you have 107 days to find the gifts that you need to find. I think it's also interesting, on a side note, that I wasn't the only one thinking about Christmas this week, that Christmas Groove, which is a concert that many of you love going to, announced their concert dates. So we were thinking about Christmas on Facebook uh, this way, five shows coming up in December. But I don't really want to focus on Christmas necessarily. I want us to think about what comes after. That time of year called New Year's, when, when you have maybe different traditions or things you do, but, but many of us here and many in our country, many in the world, use that time of year, the ending of a one year and looking forward to the next to reset and to think about goals or you might call them resolutions or some might call them priorities. Like, what has my year been like and what do I want to do differently as I as the calendar page flips and we move into a new year. And I, I think all of us understand and have experienced the reality of being passionate about priorities and goals or resolutions for this upcoming year, the new year, and we go into it with vigor and passion. And these are the things I'm going to do differently. And we, for the first month, two, three, maybe we're diligent and we're thinking about those and they come before us regularly. We look at them and, but then four, five, six, seven, and here we sit nine months into a year. And honestly, if you might, if you set some of those, you might say, I have no idea what I even said back in January. We drift 
And the next thing you know, you're eating that package of Oreos cookies. Anyone else? I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> like you just drift from those priorities, those, those goals, those things. This is what I'm going to do. We naturally just drift if they're not continually brought before us. And the same that can happen for us as individuals, friends, can happen to us as a church community. We can drift from the priorities, the goals of, that, that God has for us as a local expression of his body here in Brunswick, Ohio, Medina County, this geographic region. We can drift if they're not the goals and priorities that, that we believe God has given to us, uh, the unique flavor. I believe every church, every expression of the body of Christ has a unique feel or flavor. What, you, know, you experience it. And what what has God given to us as a church community, the priorities that we believe God has given to us? And we don't want to drift from them, but we want to keep coming back to them to be reminded of the, the priorities that are supposed to set our decisions and the use of our resources and the use of our time. So what has God invited us as a church community, Hope Church, to be about? And we really just kind of use three simple words to help us be reminded of the priorities here at Hope Church. Find, experience, and share. All connected with hope. We want to be a church community that helps people find hope, that helps people experience that hope, and helps people then share it. And when we think about hope, I, I want to let you know we're not talking about just uh, positive thinking or glass half full perspective or, you know, wishful thinking. That, that is hope. But the, but the hope that we're talking about here is a person. We believe God is a God of hope. And he embodied that hope. We're going to look at a passage where he embodies hope. He brings hope into a hopeless situation. And Jesus has invited you and I to join him as his followers here for this, for such a time as this, to, bring, to embody who he is now that he's in us. If we're trying to follow him, he's now in us. We're trying to live for him. We're trying to find hope and we're trying to help people experience it. And we're trying to help people share it. This is what we want to be about. And we want to come back to this and just be reminded. So we're going to take this week and the next two weeks to think about each of these. And we're going to help people today understand how to find hope and help others find hope. We're going to help, we're going to help people finding it. How do, you, how do you find it today? You might be here today and say, I need hope. We want to help you find it today. And then how can we help others like Jesus helped others? Find hope today. We're going to use Mark chapter 7, just a few verses, Mark chapter 7, verse 24 to 30 to help people to learn both how to help finding hope and also how to help others find hope. So verse 24 through 26 says this, Jesus left that place, left what he was doing before, and went to the village, the vicinity, excuse me, the vicinity of Tyre, and, and if you have a little footnote there, it's also Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. That's interesting. We'll come back to that in a moment. 
yet he could not keep his presence a secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. I think it's important you know geography, like where we're at on the map. Where, where is Jesus right now? As we think of Tyre and Sidon, you can see there on the left side of the map, you have Tyre and Sidon there along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. We don't know exactly where Jesus is in that. All we know is in the vicinity. He's in the region. He's in the ballpark, so to speak of Tyre and Sidon. Most of his ministry is in that little body of water known as the Sea of Galilee, the lake, if you will. It's not very big, um, very small. But now he has moved, uh, he has moved northwest to the vicinity, to the region of Sidon and Tyre. And that's significant. We'll come back to the importance of location because uh, Mark lets us know. Mark doesn't have to tell us, but he gives us that detail. And that's important the based on the people that are represented in that region. We'll come back to that in a moment. But it's interesting to me. Did you pick up on that detail that Mark said? He entered a house, but he did not want people to know he's there. Isn't that interesting that the Son of God doesn't want people to know where he's at. It's something you and I, I believe, have all experienced. We, we, we have maybe wanted, to, wanted people to know, like, not know like, where we are. I hope this person or group doesn't find me. It's interesting, when Lori and I were first married, we moved into a new town, we didn't know many people. We moved into an apartment building that we really didn't know anyone. Uh, we didn't have much. We didn't have cable TV. And so we were like, what do we do in the evenings? And someone, as a, as a wedding gift, had given us a basketball. And out behind our apartment complex was this little basketball court. And we're like, you know what? We got a basketball. Let's go shoot hoops. So many of our evenings were out behind this, uh, in this apartment building at this basketball court, and we're playing one-on-one, uh, -on -one, which, you know, didn't go really well for Lori. Um, <laughs> we're playing uh, 21, we're playing horse, we're playing pig, we're playing around the world. Like, there's only so many games you can play, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And, but as we would be out there on a fairly regular basis in the evening, especially in the summer and the fall months, uh, there was a bunch of kids that lived in the apartment building. And these kids started coming out and they would see us playing and they would slowly make their way over to the basketball court and they would start to play with us. And, you know, it was fun. I mean, just playing with these other kids, these neighborhood, these kids that lived in the apartment and we're getting to know them. And, but it was fun up to a certain point. And then they found out where we lived. <laughs> and you know where I'm going. Like at all times of the day, these kids would be coming knocking on the door. You want to come out and play basketball? And the first couple times we would, but then after the 10th, 12th, 20th time, as soon as we heard that knock on the door, it was like, turn the lights off. <laughs> Quiet. They'll leave. We didn't want them to know that we were home. And maybe you've had that experience where you see a car pull in the driveway and you're like, you, you laugh because you've done it. We all have. <laughs> Quiet. You know? You don't want anyone to know. And you know, it's okay for us to have that, but this is the Son of God. He came from heaven to earth for a short amount of time in the great scheme of things. And you would think, he would say, I want people to know wherever I'm at, 
Because I want them to come. I want to talk to them. I want to interact with them. I want to pray for them. I want to heal them. I want to teach them. You, but here, we, we don't know exactly why. And there's, we can read into it why he, you know, it could be just sheer exhaustion from the amount of people he's been with. And the, I mean, he's human. You have to remember that too. He's fully divine. He's fully human. And maybe there's just exhaustion that, you know, break. But he goes to this place and he wants to be, his presence to be kept a secret. But it's, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work out the way Jesus wants it to work out. And, you know, you have to imagine the rumor mill is just spreading. It's, it's working overtime as, did you hear Jesus in town? Did you hear about Jesus? And, and you might wonder, how did these people who, who really live on the outskirts of Jesus' main area of teaching and ministry, how would they have heard? Well, well back in Mark chapter 3, uh, it said that people from that region of Tyre and Sidon went to Galilee, went to that region and heard about it and saw some of the things. So as they come back to their home, they're telling people. So some had heard about this man, and now he's in their neighborhood. And word spreads around. And specifically, we're told about, I, I, I was specifically we're told about one woman. I'm sure there was others, but Mark records about a story about one woman who, whose daughter is possessed by an unclean or evil spirit. And she hears that Jesus is here, and now he's not miles away. He's right down the road. And she makes her way there. And as we think about helping people find hope today, we need to understand in light of this that we need to expect unexpected moments to present themselves as we help others find hope. Can we be intentional about helping people find hope? Sure. Can we plan it? Like I'm setting up this, this, this conversation, this, this breakfast time. This, this, I'm having someone over. I know they're discouraged and, and I want to build this relationship. I want to spend time with them. And I, can we be intentional about those things? Absolutely. But we also at the same time need to understand there will be unexpected moments that we weren't prepared for. We weren't planning, but they just happen. And I get the sense that Jesus is probably eating a meal and there's a knock at the door. And he probably wasn't expecting this. Now again, he's God, so does he know we can wrestle with all that? But this woman shows up with a pretty significant need. We have to expect unexpected moments will present themselves as we help others find hope. I remember uh, it was a Saturday morning, uh, eight, nine or so years ago. Uh, It was one of those Saturday mornings, we've all had them where it's like 11 o'clock and you're still wearing what you got up in. You know, the breakfast plates are still on the table or in the dish, in the sink. And, you know, like it's just a lazy Saturday morning, some of the best. Amen. That's right. Some of the best. So, so again, we're, we're at home. It's one of those lazy Saturday mornings and there's a knock at the door. And Lori and I, and we, you know, the lights are still on and we're like, you expecting someone? I'm like, I'm not expecting anyone. So I kind of sheepishly go to the door. I open the door. It's our mailman. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe he wants to, instead of put the mail in our mailbox, hand me the mail that day. And he, we had never talked before other than just say, hi, thanks and wave. And that was about it. And but he looks at me and he says, your name's Tom, right? I'm like, yep. He's like, are you a pastor? I said, yeah. and I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He said, can we talk for a moment? So I make my way out onto our front porch and for the next half an hour, I sit down and listen as my mailman just pours out his heart. 
life wasn't going well for him and his family. He was going through pretty significant challenges in his home. And based on delivering my mail for a number of years, probably saw a pastor, reverend on there, and, and he stopped in the middle of his route, and we sat on the porch, and we talked. And I mostly listened. I tried to offer some hope and encouragement to him, and he went off on the rest of his route. And I would see him after that, and we'd catch up and hear how things are going. But friends, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't planning for that. But it happened. God, God presented, invited, invited me into an opportunity to represent him in that relationship and in that conversation. And, and I want to let you know that even maybe this next week or next month, God has things planned for you. Opportunities that, that you couldn't even plan. <laughs> It might happen at school. It might happen in the locker room. It might happen at work. It might happen in your neighborhood. It might happen on the treadmill with the person next to you as you're trying to run three miles because of those New Year's resolutions. It might present themselves unexpected opportunities to help others find hope even this week. I want us to come back to that location Mark told us that Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. He went to this region. It's important not that you just know geographically where it's located on a map, although that's, it's just good to know. But it's also important that you and I understand who lived there. Who was who the majority of people that lived in this region? Because we can read Tyre and Sidon and not think much about it, but Mark wants us, you and I today, to think much about it. We need to understand that those who, the majority of people that lived in Tyre and Sidon in this region were Gentiles. Basically, non-Jews. There was maybe some, a scattering of some in that region, Jews in that region, but for the most part, the majority of people living in that region were, were Gentiles. Why is that important? It's important, and we know the context, the relationships, the, the backstory between Jew and Gentile. We can miss it in our context today. We can miss it. You know, it's a number of years ago, and we can miss the backstory. But, but Mark wants us to think. He tells us this is where he went. This is where Jesus went. Jews and Gentiles didn't get along for a number of reasons. They didn't get along. Jews, the mindset of most, if not all Jews, in the first century were Gentiles, were unclean people. Not physically. They didn't have like just dirty hands or they didn't shower enough. It's not, we're not talking that unclean. But we're talking about they were ceremonially unclean people because they were not Jews. And they did not practice the laws or the habits or the sacrifices. They didn't worship the same way. There was this mindset. Now, how did they become unclean? Did they do something wrong? No. They were just born Gentiles. From most Jews' perspective, they were just unclean people. So what did most Jews do? Because these, this group of people were considered unclean. What did the Jews do? They stayed away from them. 
Because in, according to their customs or traditions that Pastor Dan talked about uh, just last week at the beginning of Mark chapter 7, if you came in contact with an unclean person, with a Gentile, if you shared a meal and you have no idea, did they take care of their dishes the appropriate way? Did they prepare the meal the appropriate way? You risked as a Jew as becoming unclean and then you had to go through the numerous steps and process to then become clean again. So what did Jews do? They stayed away from them. They looked down on them. They avoided them. They did not, unless they had to, go towards them. Go into a village or a town or into a home of a Gentile? No, 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 no. He didn't do that. But Jesus went to the vicinity in the region of Tyre and Sidon. And even just in his actions, he's declaring something that he would go there. They would cross relational boundaries that you did not cross as a good Jew. You didn't do this. What is he communicating through his, even his actions? Jesus is communicating that people who were excluded were now included. People that they stayed away from, you didn't go near because of who they were. Not that they did something wrong. It's just ingrained in who they are. You stayed away from them. But Jesus went towards them. And this isn't the only time. And in his actions, in his going into this house... He is saying, what then the message I have, I've been preaching and teaching, isn't just for Jews, but it's for all people. I wonder if there's some here today that maybe you have felt excluded. You've always felt like there was something wrong with you. You maybe felt like God doesn't love you. Maybe it's been what you've been told what's been shown to you, the way you've been treated. And based on Jesus' actions that day, a number of years ago, and it's not the only time he's, he does it, but there's been numerous people that Jesus has moved towards that most Jews in this culture don't move towards. They excluded them. God's blessings God could never reach them. Only it's for us. And I wonder some sit here today and you have felt excluded. But I want to let you know there's a God who moves towards you. Who loves you. And his blessings and his grace, his presence is available to you today. I also want to, I also want to ask a question, who, who are the people you and I have excluded? And when I say excluded, who are the people that you and I stay away from? Because of who they are. Because of what they do. Maybe there's judgments that we've made in our minds. We know God's grace could reach them, but I'm, I'm not going to even engage. If we're going to help people find hope, we have to move towards people that don't know this hope. We have to cross these sometimes relational bounds, boundaries, borders, so to speak, that we put up. 
and will make people uncomfortable, like it made many of the religious leaders uncomfortable. Who is Jesus hanging around with? He's hanging around with not just this, this woman in this vicinity, but he's also hanging around with tax collectors, Jews. They didn't associate with tax collectors. They're wicked, evil people. Stay away. You never shared a meal with them. Sinners, thieves, prostitutes. They're Jesus' friends. Are they our friends? If we're going to help people find hope, we have to follow the example of Jesus and the people who were excluded, Jesus included. And it's interesting, this mindset continues. There's an interesting interaction between Jesus and this woman. Verse 27, again, the woman presents a request. My daughter is possessed by an evil, unclean spirit. I need you to do something. You can, again, we, we can't read emotion, but you can, you can feel the emotion. If you as a parent have ever been in a situation where you are desperate to get your child the help uh, that they need, there's a desperation in this mother. She, I'm sure like any parent, she has tried everything she can to, to, to fix or to heal or to help her daughter, her little daughter. So when it says little, she's probably 12 or under. She finds that Jesus is there and that she asks him, she begs him to, to set her daughter free from this unclean or evil spirit. And it's an interesting interaction, response back and forth between Jesus and this woman. Verse 27, first, Jesus says, first, let the children eat all they want. Wait a minute, she asked for healing. And now we're going to bread? For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it even to their dogs. Wait a minute, Jesus. Did you miss what she said? He didn't. And he has this interaction with her. Yes, Lord, she replies. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. That's one of the things we loved about having a dog when we first married, when our kids were young. Things spill off the table and they're gone. We don't have a dog right now, so now we have to vacuum. We have to sweep. Like. But she says what we've experienced, that as food, as bread, crumbs fall off the table, if you have a dog, they just eat them up. And based on her response, Jesus says, then he told her, for such a reply, for the way you responded, you may go. And Jesus doesn't go to the girl. He, do, he doesn't go with the mom. He just, he just it happens. His power is on display again, as it's been throughout Mark. For such a reply, the demon has left your daughter. She's been set free. She's been delivered. And she went home and she found her child, maybe for the first time in years, lying on the bed and the demon was gone. It's evident that she's no longer possessed by this unclean spirit. So what do we do with this exchange? It's important to, as we try to un understand this, to understand some terminology here or back, back, the background. In this context, children, in the first century context, children were associated with Jews. And dogs were associated with Gentiles. Jews would call Gentiles dogs. That, again, helps us understand the, the conflict between these two groups of people. That is their perspective. Jews' perspective of Gentiles is their dogs. They're, they're less than human. So wait a minute. We have to ask the question, does Jesus 
call this woman a dog. We're okay with Jesus being a bit rude to the Pharisees. Brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs. Like, that's okay. They can take it. We might even say they deserve it. But wait a minute. Are we okay with Jesus saying, no, Gentile woman, you are a dog. You have to wrestle with that. How do we reconcile that in our minds? So did Jesus say that? My answer to it is yes and no. You might say, well, you're wimping out. You're You're not taking a stance. You're right. But I think it's the appropriate way to read this story. Jesus, in a way, is saying, first let the bread go to the Jews. What I'm doing, it's first to go to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. That was Jesus' mission. He first came and did most of his work and ministry, preaching and teaching around Jews. But here he does it. He's saying, first go to the children and then it'll eventually get to the Gentiles. So, so Jesus, yes, in a way, is saying, he did say these words. These were his words coming out of his mouth. But I don't think he's saying it as his perspective. And let me give let me back up why I'm saying that. We have to read the Bible in context. When we read these verses, we don't just take it out of Mark chapter 7 and look at it in isolation, but we need to look at it in the entirety of Mark chapter 7. And right before this, Jesus had this exchange between the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and there was this debate back and forth about clean and unclean, and, and the way they believed you stayed, un, you stayed clean, and the way Jesus believed you stayed clean, and, and the way they believed you came un, became unclean, and the way Jesus believed you came unclean. It was an internal issue. It was a heart matter that Pastor Dan talked about uh, last week. So here, I don't think necessarily Jesus is representing his own perspective, but I think he's representing the perspective of the Gentiles, of the, excuse me, of the, the religious leaders in that day, in that context. This is what they would say. It's only for the Jews. And it's not for the dogs. And it's amazing how this woman responds. She knows because she's a Gentile. She knows the language. She doesn't turn away. But she says, yes, Lord. We know first for your people. But then she says, even the dogs. She doesn't say, I want to, I you know, flip the roles here. She says, even the dogs, even us, can experience the same things that your people can experience. The blessings that they experience can happen to us. All we want is the crumbs. And he sees faith in this woman. And he says, for such a reply, for such a reply, go home and your daughter is clean. She's she's delivered. Again, the same blessings that were available to Jews are available to Gentiles. We saw earlier in Mark a synagogue ruler with a daughter who was sick, a daughter who was dying. He came with the, the same request, Jesus, do something. And Jesus delivered, he raised that young girl up from the dead. And here we have a mom who's saying the same thing. Do something about my daughter. And he raises her up, so to speak, both Jew and Gentile. 
The Gentiles even have access to the same blessings. People that were excluded are now included. Before we move past this story, I want to emphasize where this conversation, where this exchange takes place. It takes place in a house. It takes place in a home. We don't know whose house it is. We don't know if this is a friend of Jesus. We don't know if this is like a, he just came into that town and hospitality in this culture was, you let people stay with you. So maybe he's like, I need a place to stay. He found a house, found a room, and he's staying there. We don't know whose house this is, how he ended up there, but he ends up in a house, and this exchange takes place. And I want to encourage us today to see our homes as environments that people can find hope. Our, play, our homes are a lot of things for us. They're a lot of things. They're a place of sanctuary, a place of rest, a place of refuge, a place to kind of get away from life and work and just all the demands of it and just kind of be refreshed and recharged and be sent back out every day. Our homes are a sanctuary, are a refuge, but I also at the same time want us to see our homes as environments, our neighborhoods as environments where people can find hope. Throughout the first century, throughout the Bible, when, when the believers were gathering together, most of the time, they were not gathering in a big building like we're doing today. Where did they meet? In homes. They met together regularly in homes. And as, as church history evolved and as church history went on, years later, you have, you, have, you have buildings being built and people congregating, larger groups of people congregating in buildings. And today, we sit in a building. We're not meeting. This isn't someone's living room. It'll be a big living room. But we're sitting in a, in a building here. We're not, we're not in a home. And, and there's great benefit to having a facility in a, in, a, in a place like this to meet. But I want to let you know there's also drawbacks. And sometimes one of the drawbacks is we can compartmentalize where ministry takes place. Or for some, the mindset can be for someone to find or experience hope, we have to come to one place. And obviously we want people to experience and find hope here in our gatherings and in our ministries when we gather here throughout the week. But at the same time, we also want to encourage us to realize it can happen in our homes and in our neighborhoods. That those are places, environments that God has sent us to help people find hope. Uh, uh, a few, uh, several weeks ago, Lori and I heard the sad news that a friend of ours here in this area uh, has been diagnosed, was diagnosed with cancer. And so she's beginning her the treatment and, and all that comes with that. And it was, it, she doesn't live in our neighborhood. She lives in another neighborhood here in this area. And it was amazing just to watch as words spread around their neighborhood of what was happening, it was amazing to watch the neighbors just rise up and provide incredible care and support to this family through meals, through supplies, through car rides, through all these tangible ways. These, this neighborhood is just rising up to support and walk with this family through uh, what's going to be a horrendous year ahead. Our neighborhoods and our homes are to be environments, places, locations that you and I are invited into to help people find hope. We want to live the same way here as we do on the streets we live or in the apartment building you live or in the condo you live in. We want to live the same way. And this gathering is actually meant to be a, a catalyst for that. 
that we gather together, we encourage each other, we learn together, and then we're sent back out. We're scattered all around this region to be people that help others find hope. Earlier this summer, our family, with a number of other families, spent some time on uh, uh, just south of Virginia Beach. It's good to think about summer uh, right now. But we spent a week uh, with some friends there. And, and during the week, we rented paddle boards and kayaks. And, and uh, so one, one morning, my son Nate and I took off on one of the kayaks out onto the ocean. And we kind of said, okay, this is the, where we're going to go. And it was a short trip because growing up watching Jaws, <laughs> as soon as you're out on the ocean... That's, the noise starts, the songs start, dun, dun, dun. You know, like you're just thinking, we're not going to ca- capsize. We're just going to be a quick trip, Nate, out and back. But we said, this is the direction we're going to go. And we just started paddling that all, with all we had towards that direction. And it wasn't easy. Why wasn't it easy? Because of the currents. The currents that were trying to cause us to drift or move away from the de- destination, from the, the direction. From the, This is the way we're going to go. And it took work, it took effort, it took intentionality to stay on course. And the same is true for us as a church community. If we're going to be people that stay on course, so to speak, stick with the destinations, the priorities that we believe God has given to us as a church community. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort because we can easily, for a number of reasons, there's a number of currents, and they're not just bad things that can cause us as a church community to drift. So we want to come back again to the priorities, to the words that God, we believe, has given to us to direct our path as a church community. Find experience, and share, all related to hope. We're going to, we unpacked fine. We're going to talk about experience next week and share the week after to be intentional about helping us stay in the right direction. So what might this look like to help people find hope? Imagine with me people who are not right now following Jesus, people who are not right now trying to love the Lord their God with all their heart, to love other people who have not given their lives to him or are trying to follow him, people who are not following Jesus now begin to follow him and put their hope and their trust in him. And we want to be a church that helps people not just make a decision, but to walk on a journey with Jesus. Make disciples. That's what Jesus did. He made disciples. And that's what we want to try so that as the overflow of our lives helps others do the same. We want to help people who are not following Jesus begin to following Jesus. But let's not limit it as we think about finding hope to just helping people follow Jesus. What about those who are grieving, who've experienced loss, who have experienced trauma, May we provide presence to let them know you're not alone in the grief you're experiencing. What about those who are hungry? What did Jesus do? He fed them. A tangible way we can help people find hope is those who need food, we provide some food. What about those who are orphans? We provide family. Some of you even right now are, have adopted or are fostering. You've opened your homes. You're providing hope. What about those who battle loneliness? Who even in a room this size, you know, with people around you, still feel as lonely as can be? 
What do we provide? What is the hope we provide? We provide friendship. What about those who have been abused? And the abuses vary. We believe them. And we provide, again, a healing presence of friendship on the long road to healing. What about those who are oppressed? We advocate for them. We speak up when we are made aware of injustices. Always, and this is not an exhaustive list, but let's help people find hope. Two questions. Do you need hope today? I wonder if you need hope today. We point you to Jesus. He's the God of hope. He moves towards us. Even if you have felt excluded, alone, he moves towards us. We point you to a community of faith, Hope Church. It's not, we are not a perfect church. You know why? Because you and I are here. We're not a perfect church community. We're striving with God's help to love him and love people well. Do you need hope today? We'd love to talk with you, even after the service or this week, about how you can help you find hope. And then how can you, how can you and I help people find hope this week? Maybe you're thinking of a meeting coming up or maybe you're thinking of a person right now or a situation right now and you're seeing it with a whole new perspective. Maybe it's looking at your home or your neighborhoods or in a whole, with a whole new perspective. Let's look for opportunities this week that Jesus is inviting you and I into, whether planned or unexpected, to help others find hope this week. Let me pray for us and we'll sing together. So God, I want to thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for Jesus' example of even crossing these, uh, these boundaries, these artificial boundaries that uh, Jews typically did not cross. Lord, what might this look like for us? It'll probably look different for each of us, but help us just to follow your example. And I pray even for some today that they just need hope. Would they reach out? Would they talk to someone? Would they reach out to someone even this week? After the service, maybe? And Lord, help us to think about how we can help others find hope and experience hope even this week. So thank you for the hope that you bring to each of our lives. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.